again and welcome to the latest installment of Club 46 driven by Bridgestone. I'm Jay Crawford, thrilled to be joined this week by my broadcast partner and former number one overall draft pick of the Cleveland Browns in the 1999 draft, Tim Couch. Tim, great to see you again. Great to be with you, Jay. I say 1999 and I immediately do the math and say, wow, 20 years ago, you were starting this incredible pro football journey. If you would, take us back to that moment in time, really 20 years ago right now as the preseason's winding down and you're getting ready for your first show. Well, uh, the biggest thing I remember is just being so young. And, you know, I I left college a year early after my junior season. And I was coming to the Browns franchise who had been out of the NFL for whatever it was, three or four years, and they were getting their team back. So um, not only was there so much excitement about me coming in as, you know, the number one overall draft pick, and uh, but you know just getting their franchise back so there was just so much excitement in this city and um, you know you could feel it as a player and you know I and you know growing up in Kentucky you know close to Ohio uh, I knew about the Cleveland Browns history and how great of a franchise this was but getting here you know as a rookie and getting to Cleveland and getting a chance to experience what these Browns fans were like um, in person was just Man, I, I, w- I couldn't have been any happier to, yeah. to be in Cleveland. I, I, I was just, uh, just just thrilled to have an opportunity to be here. How can that be 20 years ago? I know. It, do- <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just seems impossible. It doesn't. No, it doesn't seem possible at all. Uh, you know, just I, I look back at it, and it just seems like a few years ago that I retired, and it's like, no, I mean, I've got a 14-year-old son now. <laughs> you know, so it's, um, it's, uh, it's crazy how, how fast time flies. Let's go back to, uh, to the early days. Uh, Tim Couch, growing up in small-town eastern Kentucky, Take us back to, to that time in your life. What was it like? Um, you know, it was, it's, it, was a, it was a different time. You know, I grew up in a town of 350 people with, um, you know, not many people make it out of there, to be honest with you. You know, it's a coal mining town, uh, and that's what most people end up doing after high school is going to work in coal mines and doing those kind of things, or, or you become a teacher. There's, there's just not a lot of opportunities. But, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly not number one NFL draft picks coming from that, from that area, you know. <laughs> right. Um, so, but you know, as a kid, I was always, um, I just had this unbelievably unbreakable confidence and belief in me. And um, where did that come from? You know, I don't know. I, I did honest, your parents have something to do with that? No, I mean, not really. I really don't even come from an athletic family other than my brother. My brother was a college quarterback as well and, you know, all state player in high school. But other than us, it just, I don't know where it came from, but I always just felt like I was going to make it. And, uh, looking back at it now, it was probably my my way of like I gotta do this to get out because I'm not working in a coal mine. Like I, I'm not doing that. Like I want something bigger for myself. And not right. th- not there's anything wrong with that. Both of my grandparents worked in coal mines. My, a lot of my friends, me personally, I just wanted something more uh, for myself. And 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 sports was my my kind of way of of making it. A lot of boys have those dreams. Right. For most, they never come true. At what point? in your childhood did you really realistically think this could happen you know um it started probably pretty early when i was about an eighth grader um or a freshman and it really started in basketball to be honest with you um and i knew i was a pretty good player i was already i was on the varsity uh, basketball and football team in seventh grade and uh, i was the sixth man in basketball in seventh grade i was a starting quarterback on the junior varsity team in seventh grade uh, well, the parents, honestly, they wouldn't let me play against their kids because I was already six foot three and other kids in eighth grade were, you know, I was, I was pretty much a grown man. Um, but, you know, honestly, at that time, I just kind of figured I was probably, you know, pretty good for that area, you know. And then I started going to camps. Um, 
went to blue chip basketball camps and I won MVP of the entire camp. And, um, you know, I'd go to a Tennessee football camp or Auburn football camp and all, all these camps and I would always win MVP awards of every camp I would wow. go to. So I was competing with kids nationally. And at that point is when I really started, that really started kicking in for me. Like I can do this, like I can compete. I've seen myself against kids from other states. Um, all over the country, and I stack up, you know, size-wise, athletics, uh, athletic-wise, um, and and once once I was, you know, coming into high school, my freshman year, I felt pretty good that I was at least going to be uh, able to make it and play in college somewhere. Most young boys growing up in Kentucky have basketball dreams, yeah. hoop dreams. That that's the state's lifeline. Yeah, you could have really taken a taken your choice. Your junior year, you led the state in scoring. And this is a state with deep talent. You averaged 37 points a game. What point in your life did you say, no, it's going to be football, not basketball? Um, honestly, not until I got to college um, because I was getting recruited very heavily in basketball. A lot of Division I offers. I mean, I was Notre Dame, USC, um, uh, Tennessee, uh, all kinds of places. Um, for basketball. Um, but for me, uh, my senior year of football is when I kind of started a little bit leaning towards football, but it's still at that point, even I was, I considered myself a basketball player really? who played football. And I just, uh, you know, I happened to just be breaking all these, um, you know, um, national records in football and those kind of things. But I was also leading the state and scoring in basketball. And um, I, I wanted to play both sports. I really did when I went in to college. college. In college. And, um, and, a lot of schools were absolutely no. You're the you're going to be the quarterback. You're not going over there to play basketball. You're not doing this. So Kentucky kind of convinced me that they would let me do both, and um, so that that's why I ended up really going to Kentucky is because I wanted to play both sports. And you know, I wanted to be like you said, as a kid growing up in Kentucky, I wanted to be the next Rex Chapman. You know, Rex Chapman was at Kentucky when I was a kid growing up, so I was really, really looked up to Rex. And um, you know, we're good friends now. So. Uh, he was he was kind of that person who was like oh, he's he's a kid from the state of Kentucky. He's my height. He made it at Kentucky, and you know he kind of gave me a lot of inspiration that I could go do the same thing. You were being humble when you said I was breaking some of these records, but when you left Leslie County High School, the national passing record book yeah. had your name in it all over it. You had virtually every record. I think you completed your senior year 75% of yeah. your passes. I think that may still be the it record. It is still the record. I um, looked. <laughs> yeah, and I actually have the NCAA um, record for completion percentage in a season as well. You also have the Browns and the Browns, yeah, or okay, the career completion. Yeah, I think career. Um, but you know, looking back at in my high school career, um, when I graduated, I had more. I had thrown for more yards, more touchdowns, completed a higher percentage than any quarterback that ever played high school football ever. Wow. And, um, you know, at the time, being an 18-year-old kid, that didn't really hit me. I just thought, I just want to go win the daggone game, you know. And yeah, that's right. all I was really thinking about. Um, but now that I'm older and I get a chance to look back at that, that's, that's pretty special, you know, to yeah. be able to say, you know, a lot of people played high school football, you yeah. know, and to say that I'd thrown for more yards and touchdowns and completed a higher percentage than anyone, uh, you know, that, that had come before me is uh, is pretty cool thing to look back at. I I think what's really cool too is it's not just the the football records. You were also the state's leading scorer as a junior I mentioned in basketball and ESPN in their not so distant time ago did a countdown of the greatest high school athletes ever and there you are at number six yeah. ahead of guys like LeBron James, Tiger Woods, some some pretty some pretty heady names. 
What do you think when you look at that now? Just, you know, it's just shocking. I show that kind of stuff to my kids now, and they're just like, really? Like, <laughs> you know, because they see all these other names on there. Um, but, yeah, it was just, uh, it was a surreal time. I mean, it really was just being a, you know, small-town kid and having so much media attention and, um, and hype. I mean, just, I can remember just, we would go, you know, for us, you know, we would go to Lexington and play a game against a Lexington school. That was, that was a huge deal for us, you know, coming from the mountains, going to play a, a team from Lexington, and, and there would be 20,000 people there to watch the game. For there to see you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they were standing like all the way around the track and everything. They couldn't even hardly see the field, you know, like all up on the hill. Um, so it was just like a traveling show that my senior year because, you know, my junior year, I'd had a really big year and, you know, and everyone, so my name kind of got out there. And then my senior year is when it really took off and there were, you know, there were major college coaches at every one of my games and it was just, uh, it was an event every Friday. I don't remember this offhand, um, and I should because I was there covering you for part of your high yeah. school career, but did you have an announcement? Did you have a, a day when you grabbed the hat and put it on? And if so, yeah. what was that like? Yeah, I did. You know, it was actually uh, right before the Kentucky-Louisville basketball game, which was a huge event, and it was at Rupp, and they had it was in one of the rooms downstairs there, and it was so packed in there, and I walked in, and I had to get up and give this you know speech, which I was uncomfortable doing. Uh, but there were so many people there and so many cameras. Was it out at that point that you were going to Kentucky? No, I announced it right before the game. Right wow. before, so then they brought me, you know how they bring you and do the Y when they spell sure. Kentucky yeah, and they, yeah. there's a Y. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a senior in high school and they bring me out. And you know, Kentucky Louisville basketball game is, I mean, it's hype. I mean, it, it is. Statewide event. I mean, it is, a, it's a lot of energy in the arena anyway. And then I just announced that I was coming to Kentucky and, you know, I was a national player of the year, Kentucky football does not get the National Player of the Year. I mean, they, Kentucky won, had won one game the year I committed to them, the year I, before I got there. Wow. They won one game. Um, and now they're getting the National Player of the Year, so I walk out and, and do the why, and the place just goes insane. <laughs> um, and I just remember thinking, man, this is going to be crazy. Like, I knew staying in state and playing for my home state school was going to be a big deal, but that was, that's when it kind of first hit me that, you know, this is a, a really big deal. I've been there in that state for some recruitment battles of major high school stars and I see the pressure that can be applied by the locals. Yes, yeah. I don't know that you would have been able to pick any place but Kentucky and still been able to come home to Kentucky and call that home. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I did, I actually committed to Tennessee originally um, with uh, Coach Fulmer and Coach Cutcliffe. Peyton was there. Um, so, um, you know, Knoxville, the area in, where I grew up in Kentucky, Knoxville was just as close to where I grew up as Lexington was. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but, you know, I grew up, you know, it's weird, but I grew up a Tennessee football fan, a Kentucky basketball fan, because there was nothing to cheer for in Kentucky football sure. back then. Um, so I committed to Tennessee originally, and then my dad, like you said, uncommitted me to Tennessee. <laughs> 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 um, so, uh, yeah, that's how that worked. And um, it, it was more of a family kind of pressure thing, and not only family, but a, almost, you know, just the fans. Community. Community, like I was almost felt like I was letting everyone down. So I, I really just I told my dad like, I'll go to Kentucky for one year. We'll see how it goes. And if I don't like it, I'm going to transfer back to Tennessee. And it was it was the worst year I've ever experienced in sports. Um, Bill Curry was the coach. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even playing. I was running the option. Yeah. And I was you know the all-time leader in passing in history of high school football, and he has me running the option, um, which was crazy. He gets fired halfway through the year, and I'm like, hey, I'm I'm leaving at the end of the year. I'd already called. Uh, Coach former at Tennessee and had my brother call him and I said, look, at the end of this year, I'm coming down there. Like I'm, I'm transferring, I'll sit out a year behind Peyton and then I'll, I'll take over. 
Um, and then um, C.M. Newton, the athletic director at the time at Kentucky, um, comes to me and he says, just go through the process with us and we're going to find someone that suits your skill set. And here comes Hal Mummy and Mike Leach and Boy, I stayed and yeah. the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Regrets? About um, that, about staying at Kentucky, or did you ever think about that? Yeah, I think about it all the time. Um, I, I feel like if I were able to do the things that I did at a, at a Tennessee or a Florida or an Ohio State, which are the other the schools that I was considering, um, if I were able to put those numbers at those schools, I certainly would have won. I feel like I would have won the Heisman Trophy because mm-hmm. I mean I finished I think third in the Heisman right. at Kentucky, but um, you know and I. I I miss playing in those big games like the SEC championship game or, you know, just those big time bowl games. Those are the things that the only thing I regret. But, you know, at the end of the day, I was still the number one pick no matter where that I was playing. And we really helped turn Kentucky football around. And, you know, this year they just won 10 games. Um, But it's just been really getting better and better and better. Um, we kind of, you know, the air raid system that we created in 1997 with Hal Mummy and Mike Leach, people still run it all over. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury just got a job in the NFL running the system, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, we started that in 1997. So I'm really proud of uh, what I was able to accomplish at Kentucky. And, you know, other than a few little things, you know, about playing, playing the big games and those kind of things, I, I don't regret anything. And it was, uh, it was an unbelievable experience. You did have a lot of milestones while at Kentucky. And were there at a time when the program was completely turned around from the time you got there to the time you left. Played in some big games, but one I have to ask you about was a game against Alabama. They, had a, they hadn't lost to Kentucky in 75 years. Right. And they had a quarterback that Browns fans might know well by the name of Freddie Kitchens. Yep. And you guys put on one hell of a show. Tell us about that game. Yeah, that, that game was... Um... That was one of those games as a college quarterback, that's what you dream about. Like, that's what you go play college football for, to have these moments. And, you know, we're playing Alabama at home. I'm a sophomore. Freddie's a senior. And, um, you know, like you said, we hadn't beaten Alabama in 75 years. And um, they, they came in. We felt like we had a good chance. But the game kind of gets going. It's going back and forth. I'm throwing touchdowns. Freddie's throwing touchdowns. And we're just kind of going back and forth. And then, finally, the game goes to overtime. And... Freddie gets the ball first. He throws a pass over the middle. Our DB hits his receiver right as he catches it, fumble. We get the ball. So now all we have to do is score and win. And it gets to, I think it's a third and eight play. We call timeout, go over to the sideline. Craig Yeast, who was my top receiver, um, and I go over to tell Coach Mummy on the sideline, hey, this is the coverage they've been playing on third and long. I think we can you know, do a trip set and put Craig uh, one-on-one on the backside, run an in route, and uh, there's a hole back there. We can at least get a first down. I can throw it in there. And sure enough, they play the coverage we're thinking, and I hit Craig on this pass, and we're just, I'm just thinking first down, right? You yeah. know, let's get a first down. And he catches it, breaks the tackle, runs into the end zone, and before I knew what was going on, the whole stadium was on the field. <laughs> I mean, they're carrying me off. They're, they ripped down the goalposts, and it was just, um, I mean, like I said, it was one of those moments that you really live for as a college quarterback to, to beat Alabama on a last second touchdown pass in overtime. It's like, yeah. man, it was just like, it, it was an unbelievable experience. Where does that rank in your top moments of college football? For you? Uh, it's definitely up there. Also, uh, um, we were able to go on the road and beat LSU on a last second drive, a last second field goal as well. And, you know, no one really goes to Death Valley and wins at night. You know, it's a tough place to play. Wow. And, um, you know, Kevin Falk was on that team for yeah. LSU. He's a running back. Um, they had a good team, um, but we went down there and, and uh, were able to uh, march down and get a field goal with, as time expired and beat LSU on the road, which was a cool experience. 
Um, Louisville, uh, we played, uh, you know, one, our, our biggest rival. We played in the first game ever at Papa John's Stadium in 98, right. and I threw for 500 yards and seven touchdowns in that game. And uh, we put up 68 points and just hammered them, you know. So that, that was one of, one of the, uh, one of the best experiences. Welcome to your new stadium, Louisville. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, just uh, so many great memories of, of yeah, my college experience. I played with so many really good, uh, great teammates, and obviously the coaching staff was just incredible that, yeah. that they brought in for my sophomore and junior year. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns, performance when it matters most. That's why Bridgestone Dueler Tires boast up to an 80,000-mile limited warranty, so they're in it for the long haul because nothing says endurance like season after season of clutch performance. Bridgestone, official tire of the Cleveland Browns. Conditions apply. Log on to BridgestoneTire.com warranty for details. So you finish at Kentucky after your junior year, you declare for the draft. And there's a lot of talk about the Cleveland Browns are re-entering the NFL with an expansion franchise. What was the, dra the, the experience for you leading up to the draft? Um, it was, you know, I felt pretty good that I was going to be a top three pick just based off what I did my sophomore year. And then I came back my junior year and had an even a bigger year. So I felt, and I felt like I was, you know, going to be a top three pick from what I was hearing back from the NFL. And just going through the experience was, um, you know, it almost felt like they were just trying to break you down more than, more than anything. They're like, okay, what's wrong with you kind of thing, you know, like right. what can we find? Why shouldn't we draft you kind of thing? Um, so it was, it, was a, it was a different experience than I was expecting. The combine was, it was a weird experience where you just kind of, you know, go there and get paraded around and weighed and measured and pulled and see, you know, doctors and all this kind of stuff. Um, but it was, uh, it, it was just overwhelming. It all happened so fast from, uh, we played Penn State, uh, my last game in college in the Outback Bowl. From, from the time we played them and I declared that I was going to the draft, it was just like a whirlwind of take, going here to train, you know, going there to see this quarterback coach and this trainer and this and that, just, um, just preparing to do all this stuff. You yeah. know, how to learn to get up on the chalkboard and talk to these coaches in a room, you know, talk X's and O's. and. Um, you know, getting your body to look right a certain way and, you know, get a certain size with, the, you know, the weight staff. And, and then obviously just training to get your, um, you know, to be able to throw, throw in the ball as, as well as I think I'd ever thrown it. You know, just yeah. I really started working on a lot of fundamentals and um, re really honing in and getting, you know, working on arm strength and those kind of things just to do whatever I could to impress the scouts. How did you find out that you were going to be the number one overall pick? Um, well, the Browns were negotiating um, with uh, Akili Smith and I, and then, um, they, they wanted a contract. They didn't want a holdout situation, you know. Uh, they wanted someone, whoever they picked, they wanted the contract done. And so I guess they decided on me. And um, the morning of the draft, I ended up signing the contract before, right before I went on stage in the men's room at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> so the men's room at Madison Square Garden always has a special place yes. in your heart. Yeah, so uh, that's where I ended up, uh, ended up signing it. And, uh, you know, still, you know, you're sitting back in that green room. And until you hear your name called, it's just like, I mean, you're so nervous, and uh, you know you, I'm looking around, and there's Ricky Williams, and there's Edron James, Champ Bailey, Javon Curse, Tory Holt, uh, Akili Smith. I mean, it was a great draft. I mean, it was a really good draft. Donovan McNabb, um, a really good draft. And you're sitting there like, man, there's so many talented players in here, and they're going to choose me with the first pick. And it's just like, it's an overwhelming experience. You're there with your family, and um, you know that, that's one of those days that you know when it's happening that you're never going to forget. So what was your first experience with the Browns once the contract was done? How, how did they welcome you into the family and how did you feel about becoming a Cleveland Brown? 
Well, the first thing they did was uh, they put me on Mr. Learner's jet and flew me straight to Cleveland, mm -hmm. me and my family. And um, I was actually back and in Berea before we made our first pick of the second round, which was Kevin Johnson. It was just, I was so excited to be here and just to, um, like I said earlier, just to be a part of this new Browns, you know, coming back uh, to be the first player ever picked in the new franchise. Um, it, it was just, uh, it, it was just awesome. And I was so excited about uh, what could potentially, what we could potentially become here. And, uh, you know, I knew back when, you know, Bernie and Brian Sipe and all those great teams that they had, how this city was for and how they loved this, uh, you know, they, how they loved their football team. And I couldn't wait to be a part of a, the team that brought it back. So what initially was the plan for your playing time first year? What did they tell you? Well, they told me that you're not going to play this year. You know, this is, uh, we'll put you in here and there, you know, in games. Uh, but they said, uh, we've got a really inexperienced football team. We've got, you know, a first time head coach and Chris Palmer. Um, and they said, this just, we're not going to throw you to the Wolves on an expansion team. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And we've got, you know, we have Ty Detmer ahead of me, who's been in the league 10 or 12 years or so, whatever it was at the time. Yeah. And so Ty was going to do that. Uh, he was going to be the starter and I was going to back up and come in here and there. And, um, so we're playing here at home, the first game back and we're playing the Steelers. And I think we're, we're down about, I don't know, 35 to nothing in the, in the game. And coach Palmer looks at me and goes, you're in. And I'm like, Thanks. So much for that plan. Yeah. So I get in and I'm just, I mean, it's just a disaster. I throw an interception on the first pass ever. Um, just threw it right into double coverage. Just awful. And then um, I ended up starting the next week um, on the road against Tennessee. And I was a starter from that point on. So it lasted all of uh, three quarters, the plan. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. That's right, yeah. <laughs> when you look back at that time in, in your career, how much would have it benefited you to just be an observer for that first year? Well, I really wish that's what would have happened. Now, when they came to me and said, do you feel like you're ready to play and those kinds of, of course I said, yes, I'm a competitor. I, I thought I want to be on the field. But, you know, looking back at it now, it was such a rough year mentally and physically for me because, you know, I got sacked, I think at the time, that was an NFL record. I think I got sacked 56 times that season. And, um, you know, it, it was just hard. We weren't winning games. Um, and for me personally, I just wasn't used to, to failure. You know, everything I'd done in high school, everything I'd done at Kentucky was just, you know, I'd kind of just, that's what I, I was used to going out and breaking records and winning games and, you know, being, you know, considered the best, if not one of, one of the best. And, um, and that year was just like, man, I feel like, I don't know if, is it me or is it, you know, what's going on? Like, we're not winning. I'm not playing well. I mean, it's, I mean, I had games where I played well, you know, it was up and down, but nothing was consistent. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I got, I lost a lot of confidence that year. Like just, you know, that it just kind of like, just like popping the balloon, you know, you come in with all this hope and optimism and it's all of a sudden like, you're just like, golly, what's wrong with us? You know? Yeah. So that, that was, it was tough from that standpoint. It was very tough for the 99 Browns to really put together a formidable team. How much do you think that impacted your ultimate career? A lot, you know, I, re I really do. It's, um, you know, we just, I mean, we had a few good players here and there. We just didn't have a good football team. My top receiver was a rookie in Kevin Johnson. I was a rookie. We had a first time head coach. Um, we just were really inexperienced in a lot of areas. And um, we didn't have a lot of depth 
you know, and we had some inj we had a lot of injuries that year actually, and you know, just you know, we we're playing with a lot of guys that you know probably shouldn't have even made the team, you know, that year um, on on other teams. They probably wouldn't even have made a team, but uh, it, it, it was just one of those years where it was like, man, like everything felt so difficult. Like yeah. just to complete a pass at times felt so difficult. Um, and then, you know, you know, there were games where, you know, it was like, okay, this is starting to click, you know, here and there. But then you'd kind of get knocked right back down to earth. And, and we were in a tough division, you know, playing Pittsburgh twice a year. Baltimore was really, really good with, you know, Ray Lewis and those guys. Um, Cincinnati, just, just good defenses. And um, so it, it, was, it was a really tough year, both men mentally and physically for me. During that rough rookie season, that first win was very special. It's one I'm sure you'll never forget. Talk about how that thing went down at the end. Yeah, that's one of those that uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna wait whatever it was six or seven weeks into the season to get your first win, that's that's the way to kind of say here here it is, you yeah. know. Um, so we're on the road and uh, we're playing in New Orleans. Um, Mike Dick is a head coach for the Saints. Ricky Williams, um, who was in my draft as well, uh, is the running back and. It's, it's, it's a good game. You know, I think I threw two or three touchdowns in the game, and we're playing well. I'm like, okay, we're going to win this game. And sure enough, here it goes again. The Saints get the ball. They go down, kick a field goal, and they go up by a couple, two or three points, whatever it was. And there's maybe 15 seconds left, something like that, 15, 20 seconds. And we're like, all right, here we go again. We're going to lose another close game, just like we've done all season. As we get the kickoff, and I throw a deep pass to the sideline to Leslie Shepard, about a 25-yard comeback. Ronald Simon, he catches it, steps out. It puts us about 55 yards out or so, 60 maybe, and like five seconds left on the clock. So I'm like, all right, this is all we can do is just throw it up and hope. And um, so I catch it, and I was going to sit in the pocket, and uh, we, I got pressure off the left side. So if you've ever seen that play, you can see me. As soon as I catch it, I kind of look back, and the guy got around the left tackle. So I just rolled out and just basically running for my life and luckily he got kind of knocked off and but he had pressure on me quickly so I had to throw the ball before my receivers were down there and all I could do was hang it as high as I could to give him time to, to get give under. them time to run under it and if you watch that play I that's probably the best throw that I've ever made in my life as far as like <laughs> the way the ball came off my hand and I, I mean it was that ball was launched I mean it was 60 yards probably in the air but I had to throw it so high it was the key to scrape the top of the dome. It was I mean, that, <laughs> when it came down, it was coming down at the receivers. And that's why, you know, when the ball came, it was coming like straight down and it got tipped, tipped up and KJ caught it, you know, in the corner. And it was just like, I mean, we could, you, you would have thought we had won the Super Bowl, you know, the way we were running out on the field and we just couldn't believe it. Like, um, you know, it had been a long six, whatever it was, six weeks or seven weeks, whatever it was. It was, uh, it, was it felt really, really good to win a game. Three years later, you did that again with uh, with Quincy Morgan with Quincy against and, Jacksonville. Yeah, and that one was special because that was the year we went to the playoffs, and we absolutely had to have that win. You know that if we don't get that win, we're not getting in the playoffs. And it was you know another similar one. We're in Jacksonville, and uh, they score late. They think it's going to be over, and we get the ball, no time on the clock. I actually got sacked um, the play before, and I couldn't stop the clock, and my receivers were already down the field. So I'm, I, everybody's got to run back, you know, hurry. I'm trying to get everybody on the line, can't spike it. You know, all I can do is snap it and go. So the receivers run back, get snap. I, I think I got to snap off with like a second or two on the clock. So here they go running. And um, after essentially just running all after, the way down and yes, all the way back. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, um, I don't know how we made that one happen. Um, but I remember there was a safety. Somehow they left one on one with Quincy because I had three receivers here and Quincy was over here by himself. 
And the safety was kind of over the top, but he thought I was going to throw it to the three receiver side. And I just kept looking over there, kind of with my head like this, but I was looking at the safety here. And he started running towards the three receiver side, and I kind of gave it a little fake and got Quincy one-on-one -on -one and just threw it up to him. And, man, he made an unbelievable catch, which if they reviewed it now, <laughs> <laughs> that might not have been a catch. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it, was it, was a little, it was a little dicey. Uh, but we'll take it, though. Yeah, and then Phil Dawson comes in, kicks the extra point, and we win the game. Yeah. Yeah. And a fun fact, you are still the only quarterback in the history of the NFL to have two 50-plus yard passes to win a game with no time left on the clock. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's a pretty cool stat, you know, to, um, to be able to do that. And, and win games in that fashion is just, uh, I mean, to throw a game with a touchdown pass period is an unbelievable feeling. But to throw it from over 50 yards twice with no time on the clock is just, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, you never, you never forget those for sure. That season was magical. There, there, there yeah. was a lot of magic dust flying around that year. What, yeah. what was it like to be a part of that team? Well, it was really cool, um, you know, just because I'd been here from day one with this team and I'd seen the expansion team. I'd been through the bumps. I'd, I'd gotten sacked 56 times as a rookie and I'd picked myself up and now we're here. You know, we're starting, we're actually, we had a good football team. You know, we had a really good young football team. And, um, you know, I remember uh, Mr. Lerner passed away that year. Uh, midway through the season or so and uh, I remember right after he passed away we went on the road to play the Jets in New York and um, uh, we were down by 17 at halftime I think wow. and we come back out and win that game I got I got hot in the second half man I was really throwing the ball well and um, and we came back and won that game and there was so many games that year that came down to the last play another game in Baltimore on the road where 92 yards away, no timeouts, and I drive us down the field, throw a touchdown pass to Mark Campbell. We win that game. Uh, you know, the Jacksonville game we talked about, you know, that's three, you know, last second drives, you know, there. Uh, but every game that year was so close um, that, uh, you know, but we were just so much more competitive. That's what I remembered. Like every game felt like a big game because we were in it, you know. Like years past, we were just kind of getting, you know, getting manhandled and getting, getting blown out. But th that year, I felt like we were really starting to turn a corner and we had a good football team. Yeah. What do you remember about that playoff game? Well, I remember just being disappointed because I was in a cast. You know, I broke my leg in the, uh, we had to beat the Falcons here at home. Uh, if we win, we're in. And I think it was in the second quarter of that game, I believe it was. Second, yeah, second quarter, I think I broke my leg. And um, I couldn't finish the game. And uh, Kelly Holcomb comes in, finishes the game. William Green has the big run, the yeah. run, William run, the yes. Jim, Jim Donovan call. Um, so we get in and, um, and I'm, you know, just in the locker room and I'd been through, it was so disappointing for me. I was so happy for my teammates, uh, but for me personally, um, just because what, what I'd been through with this franchise and I'd, I'd literally started from day one with the expansion team and now we're going to go to the playoffs and I'm not going to be able to play in it. Nah. It just felt like, I mean, it was just, it just, it, it just really set me back. And, um, you know, we go out in, in, in the playoff game and Kelly plays an unbelievable game. I mean, he just, I mean, he throws for over 400 and some yards in the game and we should have won the game. We really should have won that game, but we didn't. And, um, you know, I just remember being so disappointed that I wasn't on the field with my teammates because I'd been there, you know, all season long. I'd finally, you know, starting to live up to some of the hype. Um, yeah. I just took my team to the playoffs in my fourth season, you know, starting with, an ex you know, from expansion to fourth year in the play. I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking this thing's right on track. Yeah. You know, it's right on track. Yep. Um, so, uh, and then, then I had that, and it set me back. And then the next year, 
was just kind of uh, just a mess because how well Kelly played in the uh, in the playoff game. It's kind of a back and forth the next year of who's starting this week, who's starting now. He would start a couple, I'd start a couple. And then, you know, that was it for me here. It was the beginning and the end when I broke my leg and couldn't play in the game. And um, so I was only here for one more season. Yeah. When you look back um, on that time, what was, what was that, that playoff run like getting to that for you? And you'd mentioned that there was a time in your rookie year where you thought, were you beginning to question yourself? Yeah. And now you've kind of come full circle. How gratifying was that for you? Uh, unbelievably so. You know, I just felt, uh, you know, like I said, I felt like I was right on track of where I needed to be. And uh, I, I, I felt I was playing good football. You know, I was really throwing the ball well. Um, you know, Bruce Arians was my offensive coordinator at the time, and we just had a really good relationship. And I, was, I felt really good in his, in his system. Um, and we just, yeah, he, he, he just had me believing in myself. You know, he had been with, you know, with Peyton Manning and, you know, then he, then he came here to coach me, and then he went with Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer. He just, he just really knows how to relate to quarterbacks and put in a system that's friendly for the yeah. quarterback and, and go out and have success. But, you know, it was just um, that year, the playoff year, you know, looking back at it, you know, certainly never thought it'd be the only playoff appearance the Browns would have in the last 20 years. You know, <laughs> I mean, I thought we would be a team that would go to the playoffs year in, year out at that point. Yeah. Um, so that it's uh, it's special in that way that it's you know we're the only team to to have made it to the playoffs in 20 years. So that that's that's a cool thing to be a yeah. part of, um, you know. We and we had uh, you know just remember the teammates that we had, um, you know all the all the guys that I played with and um, you know Phil Dawson and all those guys that uh, were on that team. It was it was it was a fun year. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Performance when it matters most, which is why Bridgestone tires are built for just that. Whether it's driving up to 50 miles to safety after a flat, confident control in wet conditions, or the dependability of an 80,000-mile limited warranty, Bridgestone's roster of tires has got you covered. Bridgestone, official tire of the Cleveland Browns. Conditions apply. Log on to BridgestoneTire.com slash warranty for details. Your time in Cleveland, we mentioned the, the different draft rules that made it difficult for the Browns. Yeah. Um, I think you were telling me a couple of weeks ago throughout your career, you can only remember playing with one or two Pro Bowl players. Just one. When I was in Cleveland, we had one guy made the Pro Bowl. It was uh, Jameer Miller, the defensive uh, uh, linebacker. Um, the year we went to the playoffs, he made the Pro Bowl. And that's the only Pro Bowler I ever played with in my career. That's almost unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Never had a Pro Bowler on offense. Never, not an offensive lineman, a running back, or anything, nothing. So when you look out on the field today, and Baker has these oh. Mercedes Benz all over <laughs> the place, you know, um, you you can't help. A human nature is, boy, yeah. I wish I could have had that. Of course. I mean, I would be lying if I said, man, like how fortunate. I hope he knows how fortunate he is to be here when John Dorsey just so happened to be here and to build this thing and they just done it the right way john dorsey's done it the right way with baker um you know he he realizes that breakers a franchise that you're going to build this thing around him we're putting every piece in place that we possibly can for him to have success and it's almost you know and baker's a great player i'm not saying that at all uh, but he is really, really set up for success. But that's what it's all about in the NFL. You're, you're only going to be as good as the players around you. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how talented you are as a quarterback. The people around you will reflect you know, how you're going to perform. Sure. And that, that, I think any, any quarterback that's played in the league will, will say the same thing. 
Um, so he's very fortunate, and yeah. uh, I, I just hope that he stays healthy and, um, and that they can take advantage of it. How did your Cleveland experience end? Um, it, they, they came to me, Carbon Policy came to me uh, at the end of year five and asked me to, uh, you know, because my contract was starting to get, you know, pretty high up there and asked me to take a pay cut. And I basically refused um, because I felt slighted by the organization at the time just because of the way they treated me after I took the team to the playoffs. And the next year, I'm not even a starter on opening day um, because I broke my leg. You know, I, yeah. I, I just felt that I wasn't treated properly. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of athletes go through that. And, and you know, but. I just felt like from where I, being here from day one and going through that whole process with this organization and then at the end, um, they want me to re renegotiate my contract. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So they just cut me, Yeah. you know, they cut me and um, I ended up going to uh, sign in with the Packers and um, going to, you know, having a great opportunity in Green Bay actually. And, uh, you know, at that time, Brett was kind of doing his, I'm going to retire, I'm not going to retire, right. you know, whole thing. Um, so I, in my mind, I'm thinking I'll go here for a year or two, whatever it takes, learn from Brett and be the starter for the Green Bay Packers. And um, I get there and in training camp, I have a shoulder, my shoulder starts hurting. And Brett's kind of looking at me like, man, you know, I've seen you play in this league for five years and something's not right. And you're not throwing it like I've seen you throw it. And I was like, yeah, man, my shoulder just hurts. Like, I don't know what's going on. It hurts. Um, so finally I go down and I see Dr. Andrews down in Birmingham and I've got a torn rotator cuff, a torn labrum and a, a torn bicep tendon. So I'm on the operating table and they're repairing my whole shoulder. Uh, so obviously get, get cut and that kind of thing and I'm out of the league and then um, come back and get healthy from that surgery and I think I rushed it, I, I came back a little too soon and I was gonna go to the same situation in Indianapolis and um, back up Peyton for a year. Sure. So I went down there, worked out and workout went great. They said, well, let's just go take a look at your shoulder and see where it is structurally after this major surgery and see what it is. They found another tear in my shoulder. So I'm on the operating table again after that. And then um, after the second surgery, I end up in Jacksonville um, for training camp. And man, I'm telling you, I couldn't, I felt like I was throwing left-handed or something. Like I just wow. was, after, after the first surgery, I felt like I was getting close to being back. After the second one, I knew it was over. I had no chance. You never felt never felt same. right. Either. No. How did those injuries occur? Did it happen when you were playing with the Browns, or did it happen when you were in camp with Green Bay? You just you never knew of an episode. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd battled some shoulder and elbow injuries when I was here in Cleveland, um, and I think it just kind of got worse over time because I, mm -hmm. you know, I was one of those uh, one of those guys who was like a, I threw the ball way too much, as as far as like practice. Um, I just, I just and threw wanted, with velocity. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I threw the ball like, okay, after practice, I I would go home and throw. Like I was just obsessed with throwing. Wow. And um, and I just I just did too much, I think. And um, it, it wasn't a hit that did it or anything like that. It was just I think it was just kind of all the hits that I took and all the throws that I'd made since I was in high school and college and the NFL. Um, it just kind of, it, it just it gave way and it just uh, had had a lot going on in, in there and. Um, it, it was bad. Dr. Andrews got in there and he said, yeah, it's, it's, it's really bad. Yeah. So, um, but he did a great job. He fixed, he did both my surgeries, but um, I just, uh, after the second one, I just didn't feel right. I kind of lost the velocity I had on my throws. Yeah. Well, fortunately for you, um, 
there was a lot of good things to come post playing career and two very successful acts in your post playing career days and I'd like to transition to those but to do that I want to go up to your your other office uh, and that's the broadcast booth where you call the Cleveland Browns games now uh, for preseason let's take a trip up there let's do it all right Tim now we're in your your office today here at at uh, First Energy Stadium different look at the game from up here obviously how do you tap into the experience that you gained as an NFL quarterback and bring it into the broadcast booth you know I think for a quarterback it's really kind of a natural transition to be mm -hmm. honest you know because we're always in the film room breaking down film and trying to understand not only what we do offensively but what the defense is trying to do to us as well so I think for a quarterback you really do have to know both sides of the football really well so I think it helps me uh, you know as an analyst because I can understand you know fronts and coverages and and blitzes and those kind of things and see it through the quarterback's eyes and just yeah. and I just kind of try to relate that uh, out on camera do you enjoy doing it I love it. You know, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, this is this is uh, the first opportunity. You know, last year was the first opportunity I had to do NFL games. I was yeah. doing college games before that, and uh, you know, really enjoyed and just love being with you guys, you and you and uh, Bernie and Dustin. I, our team's a lot of fun to be around, and and uh, just just being back around the Browns organization is is the best part for me. Did you ever think one day that maybe after playing you would transition into TV, or did that just happen? It just happened. You yeah. know, I really had uh, you know, I had no idea I would ever get into that, and. Um, just kind of fell into it really and um, you know started doing some stuff with the SEC and uh, doing a studio show in Atlanta and then calling the SEC games um, on Saturday so I uh, really just kind of uh, fell into it but uh, really enjoyed it just kind of love you know how it you know allows me to be around the game and be around the players and coaches and just kind of um, you know kind of, kind of gets me back into it a little bit. Do you have a, um, a color analyst that you watched growing up or maybe even now Someone that you pattern your style after that you think has, has done a great job? You know, I'm a big, I think Troy Aikman does a great job. Yeah. I really do. I, I like the way he calls the game. I think he keeps it pretty simple. Um, but uh, I think he's, he's super knowledgeable, obviously. And, um, you know, just, um, he, I, I just, I just like his style the way, and I was a big fan of Troy when he was a player as well. So yeah. that probably is probably one of the reasons why I like listening to him as well. But uh, yeah, I always catch his game on, when he's on on Sunday. When you look down on that field, I'm, I'm sure you're flooded with a million memories. Let's let's go good and bad, and we'll we'll start <laughs> with the good. Um, what, what's what's your best memory of playing football in, in First Energy Stadium? You know, best memory would probably be when we beat uh, when we beat Pittsburgh here in um, I think in in year two. Just because. It also goes with my worst memory here, because my worst memory here would be uh, the first game that we ever played in this stadium when, you know, I wasn't starting that game, but, you know, there was just so much hype for the Browns coming back, and I think they beat us 41 to nothing or something. They put me in the game. We were down by, like, 30, and it, it was that was my worst memory in here. But, you know, then the next year, I think we opened up with Pittsburgh, I believe, that year, and and I threw for over 320 yards or so and a couple of, uh, three touchdowns, and we ended up beating Pittsburgh here on this field. So it was, a, it was a really cool experience. So Pittsburgh, the best of times, the worst of times. That's the way it goes with your rival, right? <laughs> That's exactly the way it goes. You're setting records in high school. You're setting records in college. You still have some records here for the Browns. Everything you touch turns to gold. Uh, and you retire and you say, I'm a young man. What am I going to do for the rest of my life? And you say what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know for the longest time. It, it took me a few years to figure that out. Um, so I got into a few different things um, 
some friends and I, we started a clothing company called uh, Fan Outfitters mm -hmm. in, in Lexington and Louisville, and we had a couple stores in Oklahoma. We ended up having like nine stores, and we sold that business to a company called Lids, a hat company called Lids, um, bought us out. So that we did really well with that one. And then um, right after that, my brother, who was in the financial business, um, working for a firm in Lexington, came to me and said, you know, I think I've got a pretty good handle on this financial business. Let's start our own company. And I'm like, okay, let's, it sounds good to me. You that know? couch name in Kentucky yeah. is gold. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, we had a good start. And, uh, you know, my brother had built up a decent book, you know, at his firm that he was, uh, he was with. Um, so we were able to bring several of those people over with us just to get us started. And then, um, you know, we've really built that business over the last um, eight or nine, nine years now. And uh, it's, it's a great business, man. We've got, uh, we've got over 20 advisors under us and working for us. And wow. um, we've got offices in three different cities. And um, we've got uh, right over a billion dollars under management now. So we're, uh, we're, we've grown, man, and uh, it, it's been really successful. That's a long way for a young guy from eastern Kentucky where a good living is working in the coal mines if you're blessed enough to do that. Right. Do you, when you reflect on where you're from, and you mentioned both of your grandparents were coal miners, and where you are today, what, what are those thoughts like for you? Um, just, uh, I feel so fortunate. I really do. I feel fortunate that, you know, even, even if something, you know, even I'd, I had this talent that I had in athletics, what if I had gotten hurt? You know, what if I had went to college and just totally blew it, you know, didn't perform, you know, what if something would have went wrong? What would I be doing now? That I think about that all the time and just how fortunate I am that literally everything fell into place for me. You know, in high school, I had the right coach who put in a system that allowed me to throw it. You know, nobody was throwing the ball like that in Eastern Kentucky. You know, but I had a coach who played college football and he came back and put in a spread offense for me. Um, and then I get to college and I have a coach like Hal Mummy and Mike Leach that come in and just, it's perfect for me. You know, and then it just, everything just kept, uh, kept falling into place for me. And I was so fortunate in so many ways uh, to have people around me that believed in me, uh, that, uh, that saw what I could become. And they, they, they just, a lot of people did a lot of things for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I just feel fortunate, you know, just, you know, like we talked about earlier, there's just, you know, NFL athletes don't come from Eastern Kentucky and, yeah. you know, they just don't. And uh, for me to be the one that, that, that made it and became a you know, starting quarterback for an NFL franchise for five years is, um, is truly a blessing. Um, you know, I feel fortunate every day I wake up, like I can't believe I got to experience that and go through that life you know, of just being a, you know, the National Player of the Year in high school, the SEC Player of the Year, first team All-American, Heisman Trophy finalist in college, the number one pick in the NFL draft. Like, to say I did those things, looking back at it, I'm yeah. like, this sounds like a fairy tale. You know, like, I, like I, it doesn't even sound like I actually lived it. You know, it seems like a whole lifetime ago. Um, but, you know, I wish things would have went differently for me in Cleveland. Obviously, um, when I say differently, I mean longer. Yeah. Um, you know, I wish I could have done it for ten years, not five. Sure. You know, um, because I did love it. I loved playing for the Browns, and I'm still a huge Browns fan to this to this day. Um, I just wish I could have done it over a longer period of time, but that's really the only regret I have is, yeah. um, you know, once I got to the NFL, uh, the injury started to pile up and just couldn't stay healthy, you know, yeah. for, for a long period of time. And, you know, there were times when I was with the Browns where I was playing really well. I had some really, really good games and um, it just, I couldn't do it for 
a consistent period of time, and that's what it's all about as far as making it in the league. You have to do it every Sunday. And, um, you know, a lot of it had to do with, you know, me being inconsistent. A lot of it had to do with me being on a young, not very good football team. Sure. You know, so there's a lot of things that played into that. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't consistent enough. Tim, it's been great. And, yeah, and I, I know it. I speak on behalf of all Browns fans that we love having you back in the fold. And you've been a terrific addition to the preseason broadcast team. It's just, it's nice to have you back in the Browns family. I know fans really enjoy it. Well, I appreciate it, Jay. It's, it's great to be back, and uh, hopefully I can do it for years to come. That's going to bring to an end another episode of Club 46, driven by Bridgestone. Thank you so much for making time for us. Be sure to check us out next week when we have another installment of Club 46. We'll sit down with another all-time great Cleveland Brown. Until then, I'm Jay Crawford. We'll see you soon.